Hey guys, what's up, what's up, what's up, another week, another day on this great good earth, um, this is the first time we're gonna have a pretty big Red Sox fan on the pod, um, and he has such a great following on Twitter, and he really knows his baseball man, so, his name is Terry Cushman, and for certain guests, we play certain songs, and there was only one song I could think about playing for this man, and I'm pretty sure all of you can think of what song... So I just opened the show with uh, the intro, and you know what song I had I had to put on for our guest? Don't tell me you did what I think you did. I did it, baby. Why would you do that? Why, why would you do that? You because, do man, what, what song can you think of more than Sweet Caroline by the wonderful sounds of Neil Diamond? There's not any other song that comes to mind. Well, too bad, it is what it is, and I'm about to bring Terry in, and get ready for some big brass knuckles. Hey Terry, how's it going, man? It's going. So, uh, what was your first initial thought of when the New York Yankees signed Garrett Cole? Well, I kind of tweeted this. I uh, went to bed early that night, and I woke up around 4.30 for work. Actually, I think it was 4.10 was that alarm, and I saw an alert that the Yankees signed Garrett Cole, and then I put my head back down because I was groggy and you know, I don't function well that early in the morning. I blew through two more alarms and then my 425 alarm went off. And I'm like, did the Yankees sign Garrett Cole or did I just dream that? And then I looked again and I'm like, oh, they signed him. And I just kind of, I mean, there was a lot of momentum behind it. And I just thought, okay, Garrett Cole is with the Yankees now. Yeah, I got the tweet right here. 410, alarm goes off. Checks phone, Yankees get Garrett Cole. Head hits pillow. 415, alarm goes off. 420, alarm goes off. 
425, alarm, alarm goes off. Did the Yankees really get Garrett Cole or was it a dream? 425, 18 seconds. Fuck. Yankees really got Garrett Cole. That was, that was how it went down, you know, as far as me finding out. And then, uh, I know the Red Sox got Martin Perez, but who was the other guy they got? Uh, Jose Peraza, who may or may not have some upside. You know, he was most recently with the Reds. They might have non-tendered him or whatever, but the Red Sox essentially picked him up as a free agent and... He's going to kind of fill the role that uh, Brock Holt once filled, and it, it seems like the Red Sox are going to move on from Holt. Are they done with Rusny Castillo? I'm sorry, are they done with what? Rusny Castillo, the Cuban they got that never did much. I'm um, breaking up a little bit. I I said, are are they still paying Rusny Castillo? Oh, Rusny Castillo. Yes, they are paying him. However, uh, he he was outrighted and removed from the forty man roster. So, um, that even though they're paying him, it does not count against the luxury tax. Fortunately. Alright, all right, James. What's your question? Okay, Terry. Um, hey, it's James. I'm gonna ask the sports dude. Um, I'm gonna ask you this question. Um, I saw. Uh, I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate, and I'm gonna say this: you you posted something interesting about Derek Cole against the Red Sox, and you had his struggles. Um, does that give you a little bit more confidence, considering the fact that he hasn't pitched well against Boston, or? Is, or is it more like, well, you know, the Yankees got one of the best pitchers on the market, and they're probably going to be more closer to a World Series than the Red Sox, because the Red Sox seem to be more in a rebuilding mode. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not really going to put much in the past. I mean, the bottom line is Garrett Cole is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, and he pitches for the Yankees now, so... I'm just taking it at face value. Um, as far as the Red Sox, it's not so much a rebuild. It's just going to basically be a transition here. We still have a very talented young core of players. Our pitching, you know, is, is aging a little bit. You know, David Price, hopefully we'll be trading here in the coming days, but he's 34, turning 35. Chris Dale has had his, uh, you know, injury woes. They believe he's going to have a normal spring training and start the season, you know, on schedule. But I'm a, I'm a huge skeptic when it comes to him. And uh, but yeah, other than our pitching, our starting pitching, uh, I think the the rest of the team's kind of going to fall in line, and we do have some relatively high end prospects that are are going to you know, probably make their major league games this season. So I think this is, like I said, a transition year for the Red Sox, and I expect them to to be very competitive in the 2021 season for sure. If you had a choice to, to package Ben Attendee with Sailor Price or trade Mookie Betts, which move would you make? 
I would trade Mookie Betts all day long. I'm not a huge fan of just simply giving Benintendi away just to just to give you know just to get rid of some salary. I think that's a terrible business model. And the Red Sox are going to move on from Mookie Betts. They're not going to give him a four hundred million dollar contract. So I wouldn't have any hesitation whatsoever to to move him this offseason. Yeah, I gotta be really honest. Like, if I had to choose between the two people, I'd much rather keep Benny than Mookie Betts. Yeah, I mean, I think Mookie could help the team a little bit more, but Ben Attendee's very inexpensive and, and can still help you win, you know, a lot of different ways. And aside from 2019, his OBP is always in the upper three. He hits for pretty good average. The power hasn't been what we anticipated, but, you know, it took Bogarts a little while to get there, and it, it could take, you know, Ben Attendi, you know, a similar amount of time to, to do the same. What are your thoughts, um, what are your thoughts about the, about the, the state of the Red Sox? Um, as you said, this more like a transition year, um, you're, you're probably going to be training best at some point, um, What's your outlook for Boston for the twenty for this season, the twenty, the upcoming twenty twenty season? Because you guys aren't talented enough that you could compete for a wild card spot. You guys are not awful. You're not going to be dreadful, but it, it, but it doesn't look like you guys are, are like a championship caliber team, right? So, what's your outlook? Yeah, I mean, I think we're as the team sits right now. I think we're. We're probably about a 500 team. We're going to have to replace David Price with someone. We did pick up Martin Perez yesterday. Some of the advanced analytics nerds think that, you know, his, his cutter, you know, could be the key to him being very successful. He did have a good first half with Minnesota last year, but he's going to have to at least, you know, pitch well enough to at least keep us in games, you know, to at least give our bats a chance to, to win the game. And I just, it's a, it's a long shot. You know, the one guy I do have uh, some faith in is Eduardo Rodriguez. I, I think he's going to continue to improve, you know, as the years go by, especially where, you know, he's finally healthy and doesn't have any nagging uh, knee uh, concerns. And I'm not, I'm a pessimist when it comes to a Boldy. I think he's a reliever at this point in his career, but they're going to use him as a starter. I just think, I just think this rotation is just so bad. And I just don't know how they're going to, they're going to fill those slots with guys that can, you know, get us to do a wild card for sure. So, I mean, it's early and we've got a new, you know, chief baseball officer, you know, as they call him, Hyatt Blue. And I'm curious to see what he does. I'm open-minded and I'm hoping he surprises us. But, you know, not a lot of the dominoes have really fallen yet for me to really get a a good sense of of what we're going to look like on opening day. What did the Sox do in yesterday's Rule 5 draft? I'm sorry, you, are you talking about Peraza? No, 
what what did the Sox do in yesterday's Rule Five draft? You know, I haven't really I haven't really looked into that too much, so I'm not I'm not really sure what they're looking at. You know, as far as that goes. If we do trade Mookie, we could possibly trade Bradley. So I think we're a little bit thin in the outfield, so they could target an outfielder possibly, or or maybe another back end in the rotation. No, 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 no. I, 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 I was asking what what did the Red Sox do in yesterday's Rule Five draft? He said he did not because he, he said he said he didn't follow. Yeah, I, uh, uh, you know, as far as I know, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't do anything major. Oh, okay. Now, Terry, you know, now, Terry, let me ask you this. Um, the West, the AL East, um, you, we all know it looks like the Yankees are going to probably win that division, and Tampa looks to be competing. Um, so I got to ask you about the division. Um, I, I think a team that could surprise some people, that could be very, very competitive, is Toronto. I think that's a team where if you give them a starting pitching, that's a team that could do some damage, especially with Guerrero Jr. and Biggio Jr. and Bichetti. I think, I, like, would, would you call them as a team that's a lookout for? I'm not saying a team that's going to make the playoffs, but a team that could give a lot of teams that, especially the Yankees. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a good observation. I don't think, you know, Boston and New York and even Tampa are going to roll into Toronto and necessarily steamroll them. I think they probably will take a step forward. They could probably be an 81-win team, you know, if things break right. They definitely need some starting pitching, though, and uh, as far as I've, I've seen recently, they are connected to some guys. I know Punjin Ryu was was one guy. And he's probably the the top pitcher remaining on the market, aside from maybe Bumgarner. And I think they were connected to one other relatively uh, top pitcher. So you know they haven't really replaced Strowman yet. So they got to get at least one or two guys into that rotation. And I think, like you said, that. That lineup could be very explosive, and and you know maybe they can surprise people. A lot of teams I've noticed have have kind of broken out early. I, I don't think two years ago people looked at the Braves as a playoff team. That same season, Oakland won ninety seven games, and you know they lost to the Yankees in the wild card game. But it just seems like some teams are kind of getting it together, you know, a little bit ahead of schedule. So I'm not sure I want to definitely put Toronto in that category, but they're going to be interesting, you know, one way or the other. I got to ask also about your thoughts on the Houston National scandal because because of the reports about about Manfred getting over 60,000 emails and doing a a lot of interviews, um, it kind of seems like, they, they're going to come down hard, and and since you're also the Red Sox, were also one of the teams that were affected by the Astro shooting scandal. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that, specifically because your manager Alex Carr came from Houston. So, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would like to see the league be extremely aggressive here. Uh, I think AJ Hinch should be suspended at a minimum for a year, and certainly no less than half a season. 
if he gets if his suspension is for I think that's just a total miscarriage of justice. What about Cora? Oh, I'm getting to Cora. Hang on. <laughs> I would, uh, the Astros general manager, I, I would probably ban for life. And we saw the Braves general manager, Coppola, a, a few years ago before Anthopolis got there. He received a lifetime ban for grossly manipulating the uh, international pool, yeah. uh, you know, with all those guys. So, and that they ended up having the forfeit prospects and he was banned for life. So it's not unprecedented for a move like that to be made. And I think Lunau definitely deserves it. And as for Alex Cora, according to a report by Ken Rosenthal, he was potentially one of the masterminds. And Rosenthal doesn't quite go as far to use that exact phrase, but he did say that Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran played central roles in in it. So I think their punishment should be comparable to whatever Hitch gets. And if I'm the Boston Red Sox, I would probably fire Alex Cora if the suspension was long. And the one thing to look at here from a Red Sox front office perspective is they're going to be looking to see what happens to the Astros general manager, Jeffrey Lunau, because if if he does get, you know, an extremely severe punishment, I don't think anyone in the Red Sox front office is going to want Cora in the dugout, you know, making them potentially just as liable should a future scandal happen with the Red Sox. So uh, I would probably just cut ties with Cora, to be honest with you, and and uh, I'll be curious to see how they handle it. The Red Sox are a very image-conscious organization, so oh, yeah. it kind of adds to the intrigue. Who, who would take over if Cora is let go? Well, I mean, it's impossible to say. I mean, all the good managers are picked over. The dream candidate for me would have been Girardi. Who? <laughs> Who's the him. bench coach? Oh, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, the bench coach for the Red Sox presently is Ron Reneke. I think he would be a great interim candidate. I, where there is going to be a transition here. I would find Dan what Reneke could do with this team. He managed the Brewers for four years, sent them into the NLCS in 2011. Granted, he did have Sadathia and Grinky in his rotation that year. And, you know, so that certainly helped, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. And uh, I, I, I don't really know. And, you know, Ryan Bloom just got here. Maybe he's going to want one of his guys, you know, somebody on his radar. But what about Buck? Again, this is all kind of pre, pre-mature because Cora might be the manager for the next four, five years, you know, for all we know. Yeah. I got to ask, um, what do you, what, what about Beltron? Because Beltron was also part of it. I, I, listen, I know that he's on the Mets now, but if, um, if Cora is getting something, don't you think Beltron should get something too? Because both of them had a hand because the report that Beltran, it was kind of Beltran's idea. Yeah, but he can't he can't get more than Cora and and Hinch because Hinch is the manager, so Cora would be next in line. So Cora should get a 
should get a little less than what Hitch gets, and Beltran should get less than what Cora gets. You know, they but he still should get something though. Oh yeah, you know, 25, 30 games. Yeah, give, give, give Cora forty five, fifty games. Give, give Hinch a hundred to a full season. I, you know, I think Beltran should be punished and potentially severely as well. But there is one obstacle in the way, and I can't remember where I heard this. I think I might have been listening to Buster Olney's podcast or something or one of his guys. But, but the problem with Beltran is he was a player at the time. So he's probably going to have he's going to have protection from the players union, I think, and that's going to make it a lot harder for MLB to do anything. But if that weren't an issue, I certainly plausible deniability, man. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Uh, now, now I gotta ask you this, man. Now, I know this is way too early, but I also, I, I, I also think Houston as a team would you would you go as far as to ban them from the postseason this year to make a statement? No, I, I wouldn't, and I know that's a, a very popular, you know, question or, or concept. And the reason why I wouldn't do it is because it, it punishes the fans. And, you know, baseball, depending on who you listen to, you know, the, some teams are having trouble, you know, selling tickets, ratings are down a little bit, and not, I just think that's a very slippery slope. So, if if you had to make the punishment, what would you do? I would probably, like I said, you know, with the suspensions and a potentially lifetime ban, that's how I would handle the personnel. I would probably also add in, you know, the forfeiture of, of draft picks. How many? Uh, How many years? I might take their, maybe their first two picks for the first couple of years. Something like that. And And would you make it so they can't lose? Because if they if they know they're not getting draft picks, they they could lose and and just get horrible draft picks, you know. Yeah, I, I doubt that that would happen. I mean, they just got way too much talent. They still have Verlander and, and Grinky at the top of the rotation. Lance McCullers will be coming back. Forrest Whitley is one of their high-end prospects. Kind of regressed a little bit last year in the minors, but, you know, if he gets it together, he could be with the big club, you know, down the stretch. And, you know, they got a very talented lineup, you know, that's still intact. I know rumors maybe Correa might get traded, but that's a wide move because he's so injury-prone, and his value right now might be, the highest it will ever be before he hits free agency. So that's a few little moves they might make. But that's a team that's probably still going to win the division. Oh, absolutely. Uh, a team that's um, interested that that team a team that's interested in Cora actually happens to be the other New York team, which is the New York Knicks. I personally think that it will be good for the Mets because the Mets need some talent. The problem with the Mets is they don't got a lot to offer. I mean, 
their packages would have to include, you'd have to include Syndergaard in the mix. You'd have to include Syndergaard because, because you know, you're not paying them. And you're going to have to add Ahmed Rosario. You're going to have to add um, Dom Smith. You're going to have to add one of your other um, high, well, your Nemo. other prospects. You're going to have to add, sorry, Brandon Nemo. So, I mean, as much as, like, it'll be good for the Mets because the Mets will get a very good high-end player. But like you said, Terry, he's, he's very injury-prone. Um, this is the highest value he's going to get before he gets free agency. And teams know that if, um, if, the, rest, if the Astros don't resign him, they're not going to give the Astros a big package because he's going to be a free agent. So why bother giving him a, a, a big thing? Yeah, and, you know, the Mets are capable of anything now, as we've seen. And, I, I mean, I think that organization's a dumpster fire. I think the Angels are worse, though. I thought the Rendon signing was terrible. They should have went after starting pitching. And, uh, but, yeah, but the Mets are desperate, and I, I think Brody Van Wagenen is already feeling the pressure coming into his second season. He also has the sale of the team hanging over his head with Cohen about to, you know, become the majority owner. So maybe Cohen might look to replace Van Wagenen. And it's just a very messy situation in Queens. Uh, what's, hap- what's happening with Cohen is um, they're going to approve the sale by, you know, by close opening day. So when opening day comes, he will have, he will start to own full control of the Mets. And this offseason, it won't affect anything. It's the following offseason because he's going to be majority owner, which means he's going to be running the place and he's going to have the most saying money. So like you said, Brody is trying to make all these moves to save his backside because he knows he could probably get fired. Yeah, and I mean, so if he's going to be on the hunt seat after this season and then wagon and then, you know, the pressure's on to get it right this time because... A lot of those moves from last year didn't work out. Edwin Diaz, Robinson Canal, and uh, they, they brought back Juris Familia. That, you know, obviously didn't work. So, um, you know, they have some work to do for sure. If you have to pick a dark horse candidate, something like, you know, a team that, that, could, that could, you know, be a surprise team, especially in the American League, because everyone's sexy pick is, is the Yankees, and everyone's going to say the Yankees, or, you know, Houston is still going to be good, but give me a dark horse team to keep an eye out for this coming season. Well, I think the Indians are going to have a resurgence this year, even if they trade Corey Kluber, and even if they trade... Uh, Francisco Lindor, I think their rotation is very talented. Mike Clevenger was basically pitching to the level of number one. They should have uh, Carrasco back for a full season. Shane Bieber appears to be an emerging ace. Adam Stavali, you know, was impressive, you know, in spots. Zach Plesak as well. So I love their starting rotation and um, I just think I think they're going to take back over that division, and I think they can make some noise. And I think that rotation is dangerous enough to make some 
you know, to make some strides in the postseason. And another thing to look out for, too, is what kind of baseballs are they going to be hitting this year? Is it going to oh, be yeah. insanely, <laughs> is they insanely juice baseballs from the first half of last year, or is it going to be the more normal baseballs that we saw in the second half? Because if it's the latter, you know, I, I think that plays into, you know, team chance, you know, and, uh, as well, and, and, you know, so we'll see, but I, I like Cleveland a lot. The White Sox, you know, have to do something eventually, but for whatever reason, nobody seems to want to sign there. You know, they need at least one more starter to go with uh, Giolito, and, um, you know, so that, that is a team to kind of, you know, keep an eye on, but other than that, I mean, I think the East is gonna is still gonna be the Yankees and the Rays. I think the West is gonna be probably just Oakland and, and the Astros. I'm not a big believer in the Angels, as I said. And um, well, Texas might they they gotta you know they've been trying to make moves, but nothing's really panned out. So, um, but they did uh, you know they did have a much better team and and you're not sure what they're going to do with the ball are you building the team towards of what last year was or are you building it what it could be if 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 the seams get changed wait say, say that one more time just so i get it so so let let's say you don't know what they're going to do about the baseball if if you're building a team are you building it 
from what happened to last year or or are you building it with the potential of a change? Well, I mean, I'm just going to basically take the players at face value. You know, I'd rather not have an insanely good baseball, and I would probably build a team around my pitching anyway. So, I mean, I guess that's the only way I can really look at it. Okay. I would probably build it through. I'll probably build it through pitching as well. Um, I gotta ask you this. Um, sticking, sticking, sticking with the Red Sox. Um, the Red Sox, obviously, we said this earlier about transition year. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on High Bloom so far? Um, I know he hasn't done much, but what's your personal? You come from Tampa, small market team, always competitive, like always have ninety plus wins. They just recently made the playoffs, so. What are your thoughts about him, and are you optimistic or pessimistic? Yeah. I'm definitely more optimistic. But before the manager or the general manager search, Stephen McGann, you know, you start to hear names like, like Theo Epstein, and I wanted no part of him because, you know, he really botched a lot of things with the Cubs, you know, the Hayward signing, the Darvish signing a couple of bad trades, you know, in there as well. And I just think that Epstein was a little outdated. Friedman was a free agent, ended up staying with the Dodgers, and it has been extremely impressive, not only with the Dodgers, but with the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, earlier in the decade. And um, so you had guys like that floating around, but on my own podcast, you know, I was saying all along from the day, Dombrowski got fired was that the Red Sox should look into organizations like Tampa, like the Astros before the cheating scandal, like the Dodgers and and the Braves as well. Those are all teams that that get great value. That there's hardly a stupid contract on any of those teams. I would challenge you to find one on any of those teams that's stupid. It's hard to do. Very hard. Yeah. And so to get a guy like Bloom of that ilk, I'm pretty excited. And an example I love to use is go back to the 2013 season. I'm not trying to rub that in your face or anything, but (laughs) we were coming off of a last place year. Beer and chicken. Yeah, although beer and chicken was two years. That was the Francona year when he got fired. And then Valentine comes in in 2012, and we stuck. We had that huge salary dump with the Dodgers with Beckett, right. Crawford, and Gonzalez. And that offseason, we we bring in Mike Campbell, Shane Victorino, who was perceived to be on the back side of his career, and he, and he was really. And we bring in Coach Juliana and Johnny Gomes. Those are not overwhelming moves. That's not like we just signed Garrett Cole, we're going to win the World Series. You know, with those moves that the Red Sox Sox made that year, we're like, eh, you know, they're decent moves, but... But they're great clubhouse guys, that helps. We just finished last, and, you know, we're just hoping to have a good year, and we were the number one offense, and we won a World Series. So... But the point I'm making here is, because of that year, I'm a little bit more open-minded about finding value and and filling certain needs. So I, I hope that Bloom is equally as successful, 
in in Boston, you know, as he was with Tampa. Why do you think you hired Bloom? Because that was the guy that when the Mets were going for their general manager shirts. Because I remember I was saying to a couple of Mets fans, I'm like, if you're smart and you don't and you want to be penny pinchers, you go hire the guy from Tampa and you will turn your organization around. But then the Mets decided to make a U-turn and hire Brody, and this is where the Mets are. And now the Red Sox just, you know, see, like you said, this is why the Mets are a duck Yeah, it's crazy, but I'm glad it worked out that way. Uh, another thing that, I, this didn't really hurt the Red Sox, but it's an interesting tidbit. The Red Sox passed on Joe Madden the year they hired Francona. And obviously it worked out. They both had some success with the Indians there. I actually played Madden, you know, in that World Series. And, and of course, Madden finally got his ring that year. But, but, I mean, it's just crazy how certain things just kind of slipped through the cracks. Look at you guys with that Chapman trade, you know, to the Cubs that same season, you know, when he was basically a rental and you guys sent him to the Cubs. You wanted Schwarber. You, that too, that too Cashman wanted. They wanted Schwarber, and the Cubs said, no way. He ended up getting Glaber Torres, so I'm sure you guys aren't going to change that one. No. Absolutely not. By the way, happy birthday, Glaber Torres. You're now 23. <laughs> yeah. But, but we're not, we're, you're absolutely right, and I think it, 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 in hindsight 2020, you're right, and Cashman wanted Schwarber, but then the package believe with Torrance, and it's funny because we had Sterling Castro actually, believe it or not, which is why he wanted um, Schwarber, because we had Sterling Castro. He was he was the guy that we had originally. So when that went down, and I looked at it, I'm like, who's Glaber Torrance? And then looked up his back to the Myers, and, you know, they're kind of a freaking superstar right now. So time's out in 2020. And I will say this for the rest of the I mean, Baseball is great when the rivalries are there. It's kind of not fun when the Red Sox are in this period of the game dominant, or when the Red Sox are winning a couple, winning like four championships this century. The Yankees only won one two. It, it, it's not fun. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm just, just picking up where you left off. You know, talking about the rivalry and how it's fun, you know, when both teams are good. It's so hard to get the stars to align, you know, like that, much like it was in 03, 04. And I was thinking when we were playing you guys in the 2018 World Series, again, oh, well, not World Series, but that postseason, not rubbing it in again, but <laughs> during that period, during that series, it just, the mystique wasn't quite there. I agree. You know, it's not like it was earlier on. I, I have a feeling I'm a little bit older than you guys, but um, it just it just wasn't quite the same, even though it was an intense series, very competitive, you know, all the way through. If, if Sanchez gets a, you know, hits a double off of Kimbrough, we're going to game five, you know, so it was, it was pretty intense until the final out. And, and But, you know, I can't. Still not the same, you know, you know, as far as I could see. You're right. But what is that, though? But what is that, though? Because, you know, Boston, New York has been a library, not, you know, not in baseball, but every single sport you can think of. And it, it's not 
just baseball, but, you know, every sport, you know, because Boston's dominant in, in all the other three major sports, and New York is only good in, like, one. And it, and it, it is weird because I don't know if it's social media, I don't know if it's, if it's like, the, today's athletes are all friendly, friendly, we're back then used to hate each other. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. And, and like you said, the stars have not aligned when both, both teams are good because when both teams are good, not only is it great for the sport, not only is it great for the rivalry, it's great for the sport. Ratings go up the roof because Boston has a national following and you know the Yankees have a national following. So, you know, it's, it really would help baseball more because the baseballs are struggling with ratings and, and when you have a rivalry like New York and Boston, why do you think every time Boston and New York play a weekend series, it's always Thursday Night Baseball, whether it's in Fenway or, or at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, and I mean, I, I can't really see us getting on the same page here. I think, you know, Boston, as I'm saying, is, you know, in a down year. And I think you guys... You guys could be in a tough spot in a couple of years, depending on how the luxury tax gets figured out into the next CBA. If it stays, I mean, you guys are at $266 million right now. You're 58 over the luxury tax threshold, the first threshold. So, I mean, even if you trade Stanton and Hap, you're still above it. You know, so, and the, the scary thing, if I'm, if I'm a Yankee fan, the scary thing is, is that Judge is on cheap money right now. You know, he isn't even, he isn't even, you know, making serious money. I think he's projected to make six million this year, but that's going to go up and up the next couple of years and then he's going to be a free agent. So I think Brian Cashman, I mean, if he's looking at it the right way, he's going to have to, make some creative moves here to try to trim that payroll a little bit. And if you don't trim the payroll, you're going to end up trading more than signing. And so you're going to weaken your farm system, you know, in the process. But right right now you're paying 30% on whoever you sign. So, like, for instance, you just signed Gardner yesterday. He's going to come with a... Um, roughly $3 million tax, you know, even yeah. though you signed them for, you know, and, and if Judge were to get, say, a $30 million a year contract, that becomes a $45 million a year contract. So, so you know, Cashman got his guy in goal, but, you know, he's going to have to try to figure things out. You know what it is? It's the fact that the Yankees did not make the World Series this decade. You know, they haven't won a World Series since 2009. And I think that how, and, you know, we're, we're, we're fans, and we're starting to feel the pressure of, because after we won in 2009, we're like, oh, well, you know, this is the beginning of, of the next dynasty. And then, and then you know, 2010 didn't make the World Series. 20, you know, 20. 2012, when we played against the Tigers those times, we didn't make it. We got bounced in the wild card round against Houston. We lost to Houston, you know, three times. We lost to you guys in 2018. I mean, it, I mean, here's, here's, here's my, here's my, how Brian, if I was Brian Cashman, how I would work it. And you can agree to disagree. And I, and I've usually, and I've usually kind of like, 
see how this things work. And we just signed Cole. We signed Gardner. Obviously, right now, the Yankees don't have to worry about Judge right now. That's two years down the line. I'm, this is going to sound a little bit shocking, and Yankee fans are not going to like what I'm going to say. I would look really hard into trading Gary Sanchez. And I know the Yankees love them some Sanchez, but you're not going to lose. You don't want to lose Judge, because Judge is like their key guy. Stan's not opting out of that contract because he'd be an idiot to turn down turn down that deal because he'll never see that deal in his lifetime ever again. You know, you can blame the previous regime from Miami to give him that ridiculous contract. So I would say you trade you trade Sanchez, you know, when you get whatever you can get from him to try to replenish some of the farms of some farms that you have. And then then also you also have to keep in mind, Terry, it also depends on the CBA. So it depends on how much that CBA will go. It depends on one, what, what is going to be negotiated because, you know, it, it, whatever the CBA is, and if it decides to be a hard tax, then yes, the Yankees going to have some big problems. But you should trade Sanchez. And I think the, and it also depends on what the CBA is on the next contract. So those are the two things that I would look to, especially with that CBA depending on what the tax is. So those, that, that would be what the, what, what would happen. Because I, you know, I'm, it's, a lot of Yankee fans seem to be under the impression that the, the luxury tax is going to go away altogether. I'm extremely skeptical about that. I don't think the small and mid-market teams would want that. I think they would feel that they're at a disadvantage. I don't even think the Red Sox would want that. I think the Red Sox want to spend responsibly. And so, you know, it, it, these next two years are going to be an eternity because I just want that resolved like now. I wish we could resolve it tomorrow, but um, but the waiting is, you know, is excruciating. What's your thoughts on, on the new three battle rule? I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I think it takes the strategy out of the manager's hands. And so many great elements of the game are just disappearing. And I love chess matches between managers. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It gets suspense. It makes you think, you know, as you're watching the game. And, and they're taking it away. And I just hate that. I hate the second base rules, you know, where you can't take out the second baseman on the side anymore. You know, I thought that was the dumbest thing when Otley went into Tejada, you know, and they changed the rules. I guess I want to keep the game as natural and as traditional as they can. And, you know, I'm also, I hope I'm also, you know, it to a break. I'm also annoyed at this whole. What do you think of the whole the, the forty man now reduced from twenty eight? I don't like that. Why? I really don't like that because I like it I like in September. Like yeah, I don't like that because I like when the when the rosters expand to forty, you have options. September is the biggest options. month. You can't have teams who are out of it going from change to change just to change. Those games mean something. That's so that 
that's not bad. I mean, I mean, it's gonna suck for service time and whatnot for players. So maybe they can work work around that. But that's the best thing. I'm gonna work around. I'm gonna work around that because you're, you're meshing up people's service time with this 28 thing, and and it's also hurting the players too. It's also in the favor of the favor of the teams because now you can basically just con- you can add on attack an extra year of service time, which is really douchey. I don't know. They'll try to work around it. To me, the only rule I would hate is if they give that bullshit extra inning rule. If that ever comes uh, to the majors, that I gotta be honest, I, I would hate that. You're telling the game. You're telling the game. Terry, what do you think about it? It probably will. You know, they'll oh my god. First or second, however it works out, and MLB is just so slimy. They'll introduce something into the minors and be like, no. Don't even worry about it. It's not coming to the majors. When you know damn well it's coming to the majors. <laughs> it, to me, if 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 you're gonna go to let let's say you started in the thirteenth inning, then what's the point of playing the first twelve? Because now if you're gonna put a guy on second base, like now you have to also give an out. But let's just say that happens. All a guy has to do is hit a fucking single. And 12 innings of hard work goes down the drain. So, to me, if, if, if I'm a player and, and if that's put into the new CBA, I fucking strike. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I would be, I, like I said, Terry, like, I, I, like, I really do hate the whole, I want to go, I want to get your thoughts on the whole roster expansion because as I explained to my goals, like, I feel like, when you're limiting from, from from forty to twenty eight, it feels like it feels more like teams get to manipulate service time, and, and that goes to a disadvantage to the players. Yeah, I mean that's one way to look at it, but I one thing I noticed last September is it was really, and I'm not a big pace of play guy. I'm not a guy that that harps on that all the time, but. But last September, it got extremely egregious because Greg Council with the Groupers had like 12 pitchers that he could, he could go to, 12 relievers, and he was changing them out after almost every hitter, it seems like. And Remember what Cora said? Expect to see four-hour games. Yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of it, so, I mean, bringing it down to 28 is good, and and it keeps the division racing, you know, a little bit more honest for, for the teams that are still getting the top of the season, and so I'm, I'm totally good with that, and I'm fine with adding a 26 player to the roster, that doesn't bother me. I, I like it's that. Just, it, yeah, it's just that... It's just the in-game stuff, the, the natural element of how the game is played. Those are the things I don't like. I, I hate the three-third minimum. Uh, I wouldn't. I'm not crazy about the pitch clock. Um, you know, I just. I just. I'm a bit tennis player, and I, I just like the, the game. You know, the way it's been. I agree. It's like it's like they're trying so hard to get the in the middle people to like the game, and what's wrong with a three hour game? That's why I love Yankee Red Sox games, man. 
they they can score like six runs in the first two innings, then go six consecutive innings with great pitching, and go four hours and fifteen minutes. Like 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 if you don't if if you're only gonna like baseball if it's two hours and a half, then you know what? Stick to the sports with the clocks. Baseball, there's no clock for a reason. You don't. It's a. It's technically supposed to go three hour and ten minutes, an hour for three innings. But sometimes a long game, man. Now, if it's a West Coast game, it sucks. No one wants to stay up till two, two, three o'clock in the morning. But that that Red Sox Dodger game, that seventeen inning game was so fantastic. I watched every pitch, and to me, that's that's the best part of baseball. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this. Um, the reason why, and this is gonna be disappointing to a lot of purist baseball fans, um, the reason why you're doing this for the middle fans is because the average age of baseball is well over, well over 35. Like, you're 50, I think they say. To, to 50, yeah. You're, you're getting close to that. And if you look at the other sports, they're younger. And what the baseball is trying to do, we're like, wait, we need to get younger people into baseball. Because you know what it is? Because people that are like the millennials, which is like you and me, man, and people younger than us, they have short attention span. So they think that, you know, baseball is boring. They're like, oh, my God, why, why should I watch a baseball game where, you know, I can go watch a football or a basketball game and call it a day? And, and to me, it's like, I love baseball. Baseball's fun. Obviously, I grew up playing football my whole life, but I love baseball, and baseball's a thinking man's game, and I feel like, I feel like if people would just understand how strategic and smart baseball is, people will enjoy it, and they're doing whatever it takes to get younger viewers in, including, like, pace of play and all this, and I feel like you're taken away from the purity of what makes baseball so special. What do you think that is? I agree, and I, I, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I keep it the way it is. Some things I might look at, I think it was during the All-Star game, they had Bright, Bright Harper mic'd up, and they were kind of interviewing him during the actual inning while he was out there, you know, like in between pitches, and I think stuff like that is innovative, and I think it, it could kind of improve the, the game. And I, I they would they never do that in a game that counts, I don't think. Well, the, the one thing you'd have to be careful of is you can't have you can't have any live bikes while they're in the dugout because then you're getting in the outro gate, you know, and, you know, spying and whatnot, you know. So you have to, you know, be smart about how you go about it. But I would just kind of, I'd kind of, you know, make the game a little bit more interactive, you know, than, than it has been. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, I agree, man. I just wish people would, you know. All right, final five minutes. Okay, um, Terry, we, um, give me right now your way too early World Series prediction. You're way too early, World Series prediction. I mean way too early because as of right now, because we know because everyone continues to change way down the road. So we have to predict right now. Way too early, 2020 
Who's coming out the American League? Who's coming out the National League? And who's winning the World Series? I'll make it very simple for you. The Phillies beat the New York Yankees in five games. Oh, there's no bias at all there. That was the you biggest gut punch you can ever say in your life, Terry. That one hurt. Well, last year the Red Sox were so bad at home. Do you think they'll have over a 500 record at home this year? You're talking about Philly? No, the Red Sox. Be- because because, oh, the Red Sox. because they were so bad at home last year. Do you think they'll do better? Uh, those two London games were home games for the Red Sox, remember? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Even even if you take away those two London games, they're still they they were still under five hundred at home. Yeah, maybe they weren't good at all. Since you brought it up, what what did you think about that London series? I didn't. I wasn't crazy about it, and I couldn't figure out. I mean, those first innings were crazy. You know, you guys let us up, and then we let Tanaka up. Six runs each. I don't know if it was the balls or there was theories that maybe the stadium's construction led to the ball flowing weird or something. I, I don't, I just think, I don't think baseball is going to be big in Europe. And I just, I don't know. I would, I would concentrate more on the Caribbean, you know, Mexico is, is fine. Um, I know the, uh, is it the Diamondbacks and the Padres, I think, are going to play in Mexico City this year. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I, I would try to stay on this side of the ocean, but, uh, you know, it was quite the spectacle and it was ugly for us, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wasn't crazy about it. After it's spending over $500,000 on a plane. Man, imagine going to another country and just getting beat like that. Yeah, I mean, it was like a floating palace, you know, you know the videos I saw of it. And, and uh, so I don't really know what the players necessarily thought of it, you know, but... And that was the crazy stretch for the Red Sox. They were, they, they were playing... Three different series in three different countries because I, I forget Toronto. who was playing in the States, but then we went to Toronto and then London or some combination of that. It, <laughs> I think it was Detroit, actually, I think. It, it, and then it, Toronto. Yeah, no, it, it was Detroit, London, then Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. James, final question? James. He's all Oh. <laughs> but uh it was it was a great time having you on. Uh we love to come on yours if you ever get the time and we love to have you again. You're a great knowledgeable baseball fan and uh hopefully this Yankee Red Sox 
you know, it could be a good series this year. Yeah, it'll be a fun year. And, uh, you know, the, the rivalry is, uh, you know, still alive, even though, you know, you guys clearly, you know, have the upper hand, uh, you know, for at least the next season. And, hey, and, uh, best, yeah, best case scenario, Garrett Cole can win 18 or 19 games. Bottom line, they have to fix the running and scoring position. If they don't fix the running and scoring position, getting Garrett Cole doesn't matter. Bottom line. 